Twitter's accidental repurposing of phone numbers, 5G and privacy with the National Cyber Security Alliance, and internet crime trends from across the pond. These stories and more in this week's ISMG Security Report. Hello, I'm Nick Holland. Another week and another egregious mishap with PII by a social network. This week, it's Twitter's turn, with the accidental misuse of an undisclosed number of users' phone numbers for advertising purposes. With a story, is ISMG's Managing Editor, Security and Technology, Jeremy Kirk. This week, Twitter apologized for repurposing phone numbers provided for security features such as two-step verification for targeted advertising. It claimed the mistake was inadvertent. The numbers were fed into its targeted advertising tool called Tailored Audiences. Advertisers upload their customer contact lists and Twitter identifies users by comparing hashes of details such as email addresses and phone numbers. About a year ago on Reddit, some Twitter users said they were locked out of their accounts unless they provided a phone number. Some didn't feel they needed to provide that information in order to maintain their account. Twitter says it isn't actually sure how many people were affected, but it said it stopped the practice on September 17th. It will no longer use phone numbers or email addresses collected for security purposes for advertising. Jason Kronk is a U.S.-based lawyer and privacy consultant. He tells me what Twitter did is sometimes referred to as secondary use of information. That's generally considered a violation of privacy norms. People may not have consented or realized their information is being used for a different purpose than under which they provided the data. In the U.S., however, Kronk says there's no prohibition on that. However, he tells me it could be a violation of Europe's general data protection regulation under the purpose limitation principle. But if Twitter could successfully argue that it has another lawful basis for using it, such as a legitimate interest, it could be allowed. Kronk tells me overall it's a complicated legal area. But from a social norm perspective, people would expect that data supplied for a stated purpose isn't used for another one. Twitter's disclosure comes just three months after Facebook received a $5 billion fine from the U.S. Federal Trade Commission for a range of transgressions, including using phone numbers provided for security reasons for targeted advertising. Since the U.S. lacks a federal privacy law aimed at online companies, the FTC has undertaken action for violations of the FTC Act, which prohibits deceptive practices. It's unclear yet if Twitter's admission will draw the attention of the FTC, but in Europe, Ireland's Data Protection Commission has ongoing investigations into Twitter as well as Facebook, Apple, and LinkedIn. The DPC is looking into those companies to see if their practices comply with GDPR. For Information Security Media Group, I'm Jeremy Kirk. You're listening to the ISMG Security Report on ISMG Radio. ISMG, your number one source for information security news. This week, Scott Ferguson, ISMG's Managing Editor of Newsdesk, attended an event held by the National Cyber Security Alliance, or NCSA, at the NASDAQ market site in New York City. Scott managed to get a couple of minutes of time with Kelvin Coleman, Executive Director of the NCSA, to discuss current issues in cybersecurity, kicking off with asking Kelvin what challenges 5G is likely to bring. Here's Kelvin. I think when now we're talking about you know devices being connected so much easier these days with 5G at least, and that obviously contributes to this explosion of the Internet of Things. Uh, next year we anticipate 
32 billion devices connected uh, to the internet in some form or fashion. It's a lot of devices, Scott, and we have to make sure folks understand how to use those things responsibly, reasonably, and safely. And so with 5G, it just offers so much more opportunity for the bad actors, right, to utilize uh, uh, that higher speed to do more malicious things. Our job is to help educate the consumers in how to mitigate those challenges. Uh, the second panel discussion, which you actually led this morning, talked about privacy, and we talked about GDPR, CCPA. What are the biggest issues with your membership with, with sort of those regulations coming down the road? Scott, my members are talking about uh, consistency across the board, right? Uh, GDPR does one thing for Europe, and CCPA does another thing for California. Well, guess what? Other states are coming out with their own privacy um, regulations, so we want to just make sure there's some consistency across the board with these regulations so that businesses can continue to flourish, right? You need that sort of uh, 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 consistency in order to build your business out. We gave the example this morning of early 19th century America and the different time zones that we had. You know, different uh, uh, communities had their own time. Well, we had to synchronize the time, literally, to make the trains run on time to help our national economy. In the same way with technology, we have to synchronize the, uh, uh, the privacy regulations across the board so companies don't have to jump through hoops to satisfy one state and then do a completely different thing for another state. So harmony across the board. Finally, the sixth annual Internet Organised Crime Assessment Report from Europol, the EU's law enforcement international agency, was published this week, detailing how the European threat landscape has evolved over the last year. It's ISMG's executive editor, Data Breach Today in Europe, Matthew Schwartz, with a rundown of the trends. Law enforcement agencies this year have notched up some major disruptions. Numerous darknet markets have been shut down, while police have also taken DDoS stressor booter services offline and served warnings on users. Those are some of the success stories highlighted in this year's sixth annual Internet Organized Crime Assessment from Europol, the EU's law enforcement intelligence agency. The IOCTA report charts what Europol has been seeing based on reports from EU member states, as well as how it expects cybercrime to evolve. Here's Philip Amon, Head of Strategy at Europol's European Cybercrime Centre, EC3, speaking at a Wednesday press conference. What you'll find in the document is a lot of successes, a lot of operations that we've supported with law enforcement partners, with industry, with academia, coming together to have successes in that space. And that's the gold standard. If we have an investigation, if you can go after the criminals, if you can disrupt the business, if you can, if you can bring them to justice, that has the most lasting impact. And one of the examples in the, in the area of, uh, of the dark web is a very successful operations that we've supported with Tuktown, two of the major marketplaces, one of the major Bitcoin mixers, and a website called Deep.Web, which in essence was the telephone book of the dark web. And that together with a prevention and awareness campaigns created what I referred to uh, previously, this high level of distrust. So there's a huge flux now in that, in that space. And of course, as I said, criminals will now innovate and we need to react to that, but definitely a huge success. The latest Dioctor report charts how ransomware, DDoS attacks, and cybercrime as a service offerings remain prevalent. Speaking about uh, DDoS, distributed denial of service attacks, those booters and stressors where you can actually hire and buy those, uh, purchase those services, we had operation, we supported Operation Power Off, 
which um, last year targeted one of the key services um, uh, providing that service, so more than 150,000 users, took you about $15 to be part of that. So with 15, without any technical knowledge, you pay $15 and you can launch massive DDoS attacks against any kind of target. We had a follow-up activity uh, operation supported at the, beginning of this, uh, at the beginning of this year to actually go after the most prolific users as well. So this idea, it's not just the providers, but also the users that, that we need to look at. Report co-author Alan Woodward, who's a visiting professor at the University of Surrey, says that successful moves by law enforcement agencies have prompted a response from criminals. One of the interesting trends that's starting to happen and that you'll see talked about in IOCTA is that criminals are aware. To say that they're running scared is wrong, but they adapt very quickly. They don't innovate unless they have to. But as they've seen various dark markets go down, particularly things like Hansa, where the Dutch police ran it for a month and actually was able to collect quite a lot of intelligence by running the market, then what's happened is they've started to adapt. And so they're distributing themselves. So they're moving more to sort of encrypted, distributed marketplaces like you'd see in Telegram or WhatsApp. Criminals are doing that because, of course, it makes life more difficult for law enforcement agencies. Now they're moving to the more distributed environment. How does one deal with that? So it's the usual game of whack-a-mole. The criminals, they don't um, innovate just for the sake of it. They do when they think the law enforcement is getting close. Hence, law enforcement has to adapt as well. And that's again, that's all of what's happening going forward. For Information Security Media Group, I'm Matthew Schwartz. That's it for this week's ISMG Security Report. Theme music is by Ithaca Audio. I'm Nick Holland. Catch you next time.